I'm Alex Schwartz. I'm Nomi Fry. I'm Vincent Cunningham, and this is Critics at Large, a New Yorker podcast for the culturally curious. Each week, we're going to talk about a big idea that's showing up across the cultural landscape, and we'll trace it through all the mediums we love. Books, movies, television, music, art. And I always want to talk about celebrity gossip, too. Of course. We hope you'll join us for new episodes each Thursday. Follow Critics at Large today, wherever you get podcasts. This episode of Live Wire is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving or cleaning, even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hey, Elena. Hey, Lukey B. How's it going? Good. It's nice to see you again. It's uh Feels like a, just a couple of days ago, you and I were on this Zoom barbecue together, hanging out with the LiveWire listeners. That's the closest thing to a social outing that I have engaged in for a very long time. <laughs> it was fun, but I have to say they were besmirching my barbecuing skills in the comment section. <laughs> it was hurting my feelings. I don't eat meat, uh, which it does really kind of make the barbecuing less exciting. I'm going to admit that to you. You might even say... Uh, the steaks just aren't as high. Ah, la hot dog. That was a good oh, one. <laughs> I want to apologize. I don't want to get that out of my system right here at the top of the show. But people thought that the barbecue wasn't on. They thought I was just pretending to barbecue during this Zoom barbecue hangout. From the Zoom angle, it just looked like some weird squares sitting on your grill. <laughs> like they were weird it. squares. I was cooking something <laughs> called a steaklet, which... Uh, it was as bad as the name would indicate. Um, but I was really trying to apply flame to fake meat product. I really was. And I just wanted to end that conspiracy theory right here at the top of the show. So with that done, you ready to get rolling? Yeah, let's do it. Molly, are we recording? We are recording. Okay. Elena, take it away. From PRX, it's LiveWire. Recorded from our actual houses, welcome to the LiveWire House Party. This week, with comedians Thomas Middleditch and Ben Schwartz, and music from Shaky Graves. I'm your announcer, Elena Passarello, and now, live and direct from a small room just off his kitchen, the host of LiveWire, Lou. Thank you, Elena Passarello. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to the show this week. We've got a fun one in store for you. As always, uh, we asked the audience this week a question online. We asked, uh, tell us about a summer tradition of yours, because Mm -hmm. it is, I don't know how it is in Corvallis this week, Elena. It's been a little rainy where I am, but I still can feel in my bones that summer is coming. I hope so. I have on uh, a sweatshirt and a <laughs> denim jacket in the house right now, so it definitely doesn't feel okay. very summery for me. But I have faith. <laughs> yeah, coming. in the Northwest, it's usually July fifth yeah. is when you know the, the the summer weather shows up. 
Uh, we asked the listeners, what's a summer tradition of theirs? And we're going to mm-hmm. read through some of those coming up. Uh, I wanted to tell you, Elena, about a summer tradition of mine, uh, and it is a Radio Shack AM <laughs> radio. I'm holding it up. You can see it on the Zoom It's about connection. the size of a pack of cigarettes. Yeah. It's got the full-on antenna, the whole thing. If you if you turn it on, let's see here. Day at three, and tell us what you think. It's always on some janky AM sports station. <laughs> it's permanently, I've never changed the station on this little AM radio. I bought this years ago and there's nothing that makes me happier than a summer Sunday mm. to be out mowing the lawn, barbecuing up some of my weird plant-based meat products <laughs> and listening to this AM radio. And the funny part is I have at my disposal probably 15 different ways to listen yeah. to sports now. My phone is basically a radio. I've got all this elaborate speaker system. There are so many better ways to do this, but I love this little radio. It just and means under, summertime to me uh, for whatever reason. Whatever. It's like the antiquated sound, the sort of less high quality sound is a part of welcoming the summer for you. Like it is. It, the that and the smell of, of fresh cut grass. That's mm. what that's what tells my brain it's summertime. How about for you? What What is your summer tradition that you love? Well, the silly answer is the uh, annual passerello uh, Mediterranean shaving above the knee, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, wait. So, during the time that's not summer, mm-hmm. you pretty much just let your, your hair grow out uh, yeah. uh, up to the knee, uh, but you're still maintaining from the knee down? Yeah, you never know. I mean, because, you know, I wear a lot of cropped styles, so the, the calf, you know, or maybe at the gym, but then mm-hmm. uh, summer, there's a real reckoning uh, <laughs> um, and that's, I, I usually, I'm like, David, I'm going in. <laughs> I had to go upstairs for a really long time. Um, but the other answer is, uh, for the past, maybe 15 years, maybe 20 years, I've listened to the same song in June and I, I, I don't listen to it very often or I never listened to it before June 1st. It's okay. this cracker song from the nineties called big dipper. And it, it's, it's about that kind of pre-cell phone June where you kind of had all the time in the world in a weird way because it was mm-hmm. so warm and you'd go outside to coffee shops and flirt and uh, take your notebook somewhere. And uh, I love it. I, I love it. And I love playing it on June 1st. And it just associates me with the, the new weather and usually the new free time because I've been in school, you know, for the right. past You're 20 years of my Oregon life. State. <laughs> yeah. I've never not been in school. So June for me has a real kind right. of schools out for summer kind of a vibe. No more teachers, no more books. Yeah. That's or right. whatever the Alice Cooper song is. I think it's no more pencils, no more books, and definitely no oh, more yeah. pencils. I don't think I've seen yeah. a pencil in <laughs> since Cracker wrote that song, probably. Hey, uh, let's invite our first guests over. Um, one of the things I think a lot of us did when quarantine started, Elena, was just power watching everything on Netflix. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, because, you know, a lot of time in the before times, life was busy and you, there's all these things you kind of thought, oh, I should watch that, but you didn't mm-hmm. have legally enforced time at home like we've had. Um, <laughs> and one of my favorite things that I saw on Netflix when I started doing that was this show, Middleditch and Schwartz. It's Thomas Middleditch from Silicon Valley and Ben Schwartz from Parks and Rec. And they do this completely improvised hour-long kind of play that is hilarious and also weirdly riveting. Um, So they were nice enough to stop by the party this week. Let's say hi to them. Thomas Middleditch and Ben Schwartz, welcome to the show. My goodness. Thanks for having us. Thanks for inviting us to the party. 
I was so blown away by this show, Middle Ditch and Schwartz, on Netflix. I was telling you guys before we started recording that I was laughing harder than I've probably laughed in a long oh. time at anything. And my response was to take to Twitter and just, it was like I was in a boat that was going down. I was like, I need attention right now. You need to know how funny Middle Ditch and Schwartz is. <laughs> That's so nice of you. Yes. Thanks, man. I rationed it. I've never, I don't think I've not binged watched something in years, but I loved the first episode so much that uh, my partner and I forced ourselves to stop watching it so we could watch another one the next night to sort of like. And you watched it in three minute increments, right? So you've been watching it over the course of three months. That's right. We would take, we do squats and push ups in between uh, (laughs) for like 45 minutes. Hashtag stay fit, y'all. Hashtag stay fit, hashtag squats, hashtag push ups. Squat goals. (laughs) (laughs) How did you guys, how did you two actually meet? We, I, I, in New York City, I held an underground fight ring mm-hmm. and Ben was, he worked his way up to champion and <laughs> I respect that. And uh, that's what it took. And then when I was champion, the fight actually was with Thomas because Thomas, because he yeah, owns the I'm ring. the last board. I'm M. Bison. Yeah, he's M. Bison. Um, so I got through all the different ones. And then when we fought, it, we had the same exact fighting style. So we always were blocking mm. each other. Almost mm. like when Zelda fights Zelda in Zelda 2. Of all course, the reference that everybody knows. The yeah, other hit. punch. And then we said, you know what? Instead of fighting, why don't we just. Why don't we do comedians? some improv? <laughs> well, we do long form improv for, for zero people for 18 years until anybody cares. I had just moved to New York City from Chicago after doing a lot of improv comedy there. And we had just seen each other. Because there's this uh, annual improv uh, jamboree, as it were, called the Del Close Festival, the Del Close Marathon, and mm-hmm. uh, we'd seen each other there over the years, and we just were like, "Hey, let's 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 try it out," and we became friends. We ate some pizza and we did some prov. Does anybody call it prov? Is that like the term of art in the industry? <laughs> only the cool kids. Only the people who are most knowledgeable out of it. About I think prov. Thomas is the only one I've ever heard in my entire life call it prov. <laughs> Just prov. Only the, the best fighters are allowed <laughs> the, the honor fighters. of calling right. it prov. That's right. Yeah. That's uh, correct. Um, Thomas, you grew up in Nelson, British Columbia. And Ben, you were born in the Bronx. Those seem like kind of wildly different energies. Does that is that represented in your respective personalities, and does that play into the dynamic, like on stage when you're proving together? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that, by the way. I think there's a lot of uh, similarities with us, but then there are a lot of like big differences, and I think maybe that comes from the idea of where we were both raised or something like that. But um, uh, it's funny that like when we get on stage, everything seems to be very fluid and wonderful between the two of us, even though we have very different backgrounds coming up. Weirdly enough. Ben likes making homemade blackberry jam, and I love hanging out on the stoop catcalling girls. Mm. Isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. Hey, what are you doing, so, baby? Oh, like a, like a 1980s man in a hard hat? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my That's what I assume happens on a minute-by-minute minute basis in the Bronx. Sure. Um, the, the first time that you guys started doing this long-form improvising, how did it go in the early days? Hmm. I think, uh, but Thomas has a better recollection of our first show than I do. We would do shows for like five minutes and then, you know, nobody's in the audience and um, it must have been good because we kept doing it. But Thomas, you have a better recollection of the beginning part than I do. Oh, I just, there used to be a show, um, it was called School Night. It was every Wednesday at UCB Chelsea, which is under a grocery store that sadly is no longer with us for now. And, um, yeah, we would go up there at 11 PM and have an eight minute set. And I remember our show just being, I think we asked for someone who had a particularly lame summer job and someone said like, I used to be, I used to 
serve ice cream. And then we built this kind of world in this shop that sold ice cream. This is the, the glimpses I remember. But it's strange. Like, although we ended up, we experimented with different types of shows since then, that, that type of show where we created a world and all these characters that kind of knew each other and a little story evolved from it, that ended up being the format that we settled on next amount of mm. years later huh. and, and really took it to the top of what Prov can do. Mm-hmm. Top of the prov, as they say. Top of the prov. <laughs> Top of the prov. Top of the prov to you. Top of the prov, there, Thomas. I'm from New York. <laughs> Did you guys just keep like expanding the the length of of the prov? Yeah. Like you go from five minutes to twenty minutes to like doing a full hour. That really becomes kind of a two person play, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we at the beginning we weren't, you know, we would only be given eight minutes and we barely had anybody come see us. And slowly we were able to do 30 minutes and like maybe it's half full. And then we did another one, and then it's like f- totally full, and then we did more. And then the big jump came when we went to this place called Largo. We got out of the UCB theater, uh, not out here of the Here did. in LA, Largo. Just yeah, correct. Yeah, uh, Largo in LA. Uh, it's on La Cienega. And it's, you know, the home to like Sarah Silverman, Patton Oswald, but also John Bryan and like great music and stuff like that. And um, they took Thomas and I over there. So we started doing shows there and we had an hour long slot. So we started doing hour and 15 minute shows, hour, 20 minute shows. And that's when exactly what you said, where we got to really start to fill out the world a bit more and show a dialogue and complete a story and stuff like that. So we started to really flex those muscles. Hmm. And then, um, after we did, uh, after we did that, we just started to tour. So how do you train for it? Do you just throw yourself into an hour-long format and figure it out and then revise later? Or, I mean, are you guys like in a gym with like... (laughs) Rocky montage? We're in a gym just going, yes, and, yes, (laughs) yes, and. (laughs) Squat, goal, squat, goal. Well, (laughs) to have it it, um, laid out clearly, I guess, I mean, Ben and I both have been doing improv for over 20 years. I was fortunate enough that my eighth grade in middle school had an improv team in what? Canada. There's the thing called um, theater sports, which is just short yeah. form improv games where like teams from schools can compete with each other. And eventually that grew into Ben going to UCB and, and me studying at second city and, and uh, IO or improv Olympic as it was formerly called. So we've had like, you know, formal training and it's, it's a lot of philosophy. It's a few kind of golden rules. And when you get more comfortable with it, all those rules and all those, all that philosophy gets more flexible, but, mm-hmm. uh, we've definitely put in some time. So it's muscles. Yeah, like you've, you've got shows. muscles. It really is. I think you like the idea of working out our brains is kind of what this is. And also not even that working it out with Thomas on stage. So we really know where each other are going to go and how we're going to feel. And like, cause obviously nothing is written. You're doing it off of like the ex- amount of experience you have with that person and the talent that you have combined together. So Thomas and I just happen to work very, very well together on stage. And, and we like each other. I mean, you also see on stage mm-hmm. just two friends trying to make each other laugh, having a good time. Yeah. This is the Livewire House Party coming to you from PRX. I'm Luke Burbank, along with Elena Passarello. We are talking to Ben Schwartz and Thomas Middleditch. Their Netflix show is Middleditch and Schwartz. We have to take a very quick break, but stick around because we will be right back. Livewire is supported in part by Fully. Have you ever noticed how kind of not great you feel after you sit at work all day? Truth of the matter is your chair is probably part of the problem. Most chairs and desks, they restrict movement, which leaves your body kind of achy Now we'd like to tell you about Fully, designer and collector of standing desks, chairs, and other workspace tools that encourage you to move 
so you will feel better at the end of your day. Uh, I use a fully TikTok stool when I am recording these messages, and it has really changed my whole kind of physicality. After a long day, and I know it doesn't sound like a real job, maybe because it isn't, but after a long day of recording things at my home studio, sitting on a TikTok stool, I feel great. I don't feel like I've been ossifying for the last eight hours. I feel like I'm ready to go take on my evening. Uh, So I can't recommend fully highly enough. Get your body moving in your workspace like I've done. Go to fully.com slash livewire. That's F-U-L-L-Y dot com slash livewire. Fully, desks, chairs, and things to keep you moving. Welcome back to the Livewire House Party. I'm Luke Burbank, broadcasting from my house in Bellingham, Washington. Elena Passarello is at her place in Corvallis, Oregon. And we're talking to Thomas Middleditch and Ben Schwartz, who have this amazing Netflix show called, wait for it, Middleditch and Schwartz. (laughs) Were you guys in the early days considered rebellious because a lot of what's really fun about this show are the times when you're very clearly (laughs) indicating to us, the audience, that this is improv. Like, you're kind of tearing down the fourth wall. Was that, like, considered verboten when you were starting out? I think if we were in class, like level one class at any of these institutions, that kind of thing may be kind of like, well, let's let's walk before you can run. Mm -hmm. Uh. You know? Just because, and I get why, because you're trying to teach good scene building, good character work, good, like, just stay in the moment. Don't try too hard. Because I think when you're just starting out, you're like, "Ah, ah, let me jump off the cliff. And it's like, wait, 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 these are professionals, you know, (laughs) hang on. Um, But as you, as you spend more time in the, uh, my dog is really having a good time. Ben, you want to take this one? (laughs) Hey, um, (laughs) I'll say that uh, there's, uh, um, Potter, that's enough. (laughs) (laughs) is your dog's named connor no potter like harry potter but he's behaving more like a voldemort i tell you what (laughs) Uh, uh, the the question i had was really about the way that you guys are constantly kind of deconstructing the idea of improv oh yes yes then you handle it kind of improv for people that don't maybe love improv Uh, As viewers, because I I get really anxious going to an improv show because I'm worried it's going to be bad. But I felt very safe watching you guys. That's amazing. And by the way, I think that's one of the things at the beginning of the show, us talking to the audience is to try to get you comfortable with us to show you that we're going to be like, we're we're just here to have fun and stuff like that. Um, But uh, in terms of rule breaking also at the beginning, not as a kid ever. And then when you're doing improv, just like how Thomas said, you don't really break those rules. And then I was in a group called Hot Sauce beforehand where we did that quite a bit. And Thomas had done enough improv where once you do it for enough time, you kind of start playing with what the rules are and what they feel like and stuff like that. Uh, And I think that ultimately leads us to there. Thomas, he just asked, if you could be any giant in the world, (laughs) which giant? giant. Okay, done. Sorry, Frost Giant is Are you talking about a New York giant? No, 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 no. You're right. Frost Giant was exactly the question when you left. Fantasy. Good. My wheelhouse. (laughs) We're talking to Thomas Middleditch and Ben Schwartz. They have a show, Middleditch and Schwartz, on Netflix um, that's long-form improv uh, comedy. Uh, Do you guys ever go completely blank when you're up there? Like, even maybe in any of the Netflix shows? Is there a moment where your brain just can't think of anything? It's very rare that both of us at the same time have that. There may be one where one of us is like, ah, and the other one will pick up the slack. But uh, very, very rare that 
Right, Thomas? I can't remember a time where both of us are just standing there like, uh, we'll sometimes paint ourselves into a corner that's <laughs> so hard to get out of that yeah. we'll be like, what the, what the hell do we do? How do we how do we land this show? You know, we've been performing for an hour and we have like 10 minutes left, but what the hell? How does this end? We'll have that, but I don't know about blank stares, Thomas. What yeah. do you think? There's been, a couple, there's been like a couple times where you're like, I don't know what to do. Do you? Okay, no. Well, let's just try this. Part of the fun of why... I, I love performing with Ben and why I hope Ben loves performing with me, but maybe he doesn't, um, is that like we will kind of break the fourth wall and be like, God, what do you want to do right now? <laughs> like if we're right. genuinely stuck, that's part of, that's part of the, the, the show, which I guess as, as Luke, maybe you were kind of thinking about, is that a faux pas? I don't know. We, we're, we can get away with it. We're a couple of scamps. <laughs> Luke's actual question when you left, honestly, was he sometimes, he, do you look at these specials as improv for people who don't really love improv? Like, not we don't, but he's saying coming from the point of view of someone who maybe isn't as into improv, would you say that this oh. kind of plays? Luke, well, did I just actually, ruin your question? Our whole... No, you, you asked it much more eloquently. I mean, I guess you're the new host. <laughs> <laughs> Elena is really excited by this news, which hurts. <laughs> <laughs> can, I, can I add yeah, to that notion? Is when we finally got the chance to put... the our show on Netflix. Why we felt we were well poised to do it is because a lot of improv, a lot of long, quote unquote, long form improv, which can take the form in many different ways. There can be nine people on stage. It can be kind of like tapping people out doing scenes. Like we wanted to make sure that the audience didn't need to know a lot of improv language, improv, Mm -hmm. like they didn't need to have taken level one in order to really get everything out of it. You just wanted it to feel kind of almost like a, an on the spot, vaudeville act meets as you had said Luke, like kind of like a play mm-hmm. just this, a, a digestible thing that just happens to be made up and not mm-hmm. relying on like sweep edits quote unquote or tag outs and all this verbiage that you might know if you were really in the improv scene and i also think that there there haven't been a lot of examples of long form improv that are filmed ever so oftentimes when people think of improv it's going to their like friends class show um or a short form show which is very different than what we do although we love whose line is it anyway coming up but it's like um so when you're like, yeah, I didn't really like improv, it's oftentimes it's because you haven't seen like the real good women and men who do it. Yeah. And um, uh, there hasn't been an avenue really outside of like you do it for – Thomas and I did it for free for 18 years. He did it for more. Wow. 18 years at UCB for 100 people, which we loved and it helped us garner our voice. But then, like, th- that's why there's not a huge platform. There was no really, okay, now what do we do? Now we can tour? How many people tour? 3,000 people. Okay, now we're going to do a special? Like, there hasn't really been that maturation. Uh, or if it has, it's been very limited. Uh-huh. Yeah. I should mention for people who haven't had a chance to see the Netflix show yet that the show starts with you two on stage and you're interviewing some people from the audience. Yeah. And that's the that's where the story begins. And you get a bunch of details from their life and then those things come back throughout the show and build this thing that is – like I kind of cried at the end of the first one. I was oh. also probably dealing with some you know my own <laughs> stuff. But like you guys, there's this wedding that happens and there is a truly beautiful moment <laughs> – that was more emotionally like impactful than I was expecting it to be. Have you heard that? Wait, what was it? What Luke? Do you remember what part? That's so. That's so. Makes me so happy. (laughs) It was this moment when you guys were standing, you know, sort of face to face. In fact, I think maybe Thomas, you were on a chair. I guess what it made me think about was what a hopeful proposition. (laughs) 
Maybe delusional proposition getting married is. <laughs> and there was this moment where you two, in again, having rolled through all these characters, and one of you is like on a chair, and it's in a lot of ways absurd. There was just this look that the two of you had that was like, oh, that's what it's like when you get married. At least that's what it brought up in me. Oh, yeah. That's, That's sweet. amazing. I, yeah. I think what is special about what Ben and I have discovered about what we like to, what we consider a successful improv show, you know, when after the thousands that we've done, we walk up off stage and we're like, was that good or not? And how we evaluate it. We both really like to dart back and forth from here's something crazy. Here's something that we totally broke the fourth wall in, or I just said this just to make Ben laugh. I don't care if anyone else laughs or whatever, <laughs> just like the absurd and stuff, but without moments, Without moments of genuine um, character, emotional weight, connection, it all feels a bit pointless. If it was just all that stuff, it didn't. It wouldn't really matter. And we, I think Ben and I, we don't shy away from having moments or entire scenes or entire sections of the show, which are actually maybe just quite earnest. Like we want to play those yeah. moments. Yeah. So it's something that you can latch onto. That's very nice that that had that effect on you. Like we're That's quite touched. We do try to build our characters and have emotional stakes. So you feel something when good things or bad things happen to him, you care. It's funny. There's times literally in the show where people go, Oh no. Or, oh. <laughs> and Thomas and I will laugh because we can't believe that like a wizard jumping out of someone else's nostril made someone feel that way. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> It's also interesting that we released three specials and everybody has their favorite. Nobody's like, this is absolutely uh -huh. the best one. This is absolutely the second one. Yeah. And everybody has their own different list, which when we were editing them, from my point of view, I was like, oh, I think this one, maybe this one, then this one. And everybody has their different point of view. There are shows, though, where both of us come off stage and we're like, that was a good show. Um, yeah. And that's as much patting on the back that we'll ever do. We're more into the negative aspect than the positive. Yeah. Like, that was a good one. That was a good one. All right, I'll see you tomorrow. Bye. And that's it. How, how does the ending work? Does, does it, like, one person gets to just call the end when it feels appropriate? Typically, for, for most long-form improv shows, you're at a theater and there's someone – uh, at, on the lights who's well-experienced mm -hmm. watching improv shows and oh, wow. they will call when the show is done by kind of cutting the lights. It's called the blackout. And we, after years of doing it, we were kind of like, oh, I, I don't want to leave it up to someone else. I want to yeah. be able to call it. And so really what we're just looking for is once all or most of the story elements feel resolved and feel satisfying, we're just looking for something kind of funny or something that just puts a bow on it. And then one person, either one of us will step out and say, that's our show. And there has been times where it's like, I wasn't done yet. Or oh, like, no. yeah. man, that too, that took too long. We should have done it 10 yeah. minutes ago or whatever. We'll have not arguments, but debates, let's say about when yeah. it would happen. But it's kind of, it's better. And we feel it more secure in our hands than, than, than anyone else's. We also learned that it's better to cut it off short than to miss the blackout. Yes. Um, and then you're on stage for 10 more minutes just fishing for another like, joke. <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh man. Well, also there's, uh, we. it's almost like when you're writing a movie and you have those three acts and we feel like we're in the third act, we'll oftentimes look at the clock and be like, all right, there's 10 minutes left. Let's find a way to end this kind of is what our heads are doing. Mm -hmm. And we'll be like, all right, what can we call back? What can we do? And um, But no, either one of us can call it at any time uh, for any reason. Like it's it's every every part about the show is made up in that We've done a show where it's just the two of us in pretending to be in beds as little kids talking about monsters and the fear of being like an adolescent. With no additional characters school. or anything. No additional Whoa. characters. And wow. then we did a tour show where it was 
Thanksgiving, and we played maybe 18 characters around the same Thanksgiving table going crazy. Yeah. (laughs) So it could be like anything. I love the way that you guys use the space for multiple characters, like the the, the just two chairs, and then all of a sudden there's like an entire congregation of of people. Um, But I can't imagine it's easy to keep... 18 characters around a Thanksgiving table straight. <laughs> the, <laughs> <You know? laughs> the challenge of all that is really fun for us, I think. And it's, and the, 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 the spinning of plates, I think is, is an enjoyable, it's an additive experience for the audience too. Cause they're like, which plates are going to drop and are yeah. they, <laughs> yeah. are they going to mm-hmm. be able to land all mm-hmm. effectively? It's, I think that mental math is a fun part about the show. <laughs> But it's so interesting to me, too. <laughs> By the way, this is uh, the Livewire house party. We're talking to Thomas Middleditch and Oh, is ben this Schwartz. a Livewire? Wait, hold up. Is this a Livewire dance party? House party, it baby. It is. No, it's I a mean, dance party, I mean, it can turn too. into a dance party yeah. if, you guys, if you guys want. <laughs> this is a, like, extremely public radio-y question, but I was just sort of wondering, like, having developed the ability to go onto this stage with no planning in your head about exactly what's going to get talked about. And then just knowing that you can reliably generate like an hour of funny, interesting stuff, like knowing that that you can get through that. Does that actually impact the other parts of your life? Like when you are in the normal world and something feels daunting or like, I don't know how this is going to turn out. Are you less scared because you guys are able to do this thing on stage? Whoa, take it easy, Terry Gross. What a great question, (laughs) Terry Gross. What an NPR question. (laughs) What an NPR. Grab your tote bag. Let's chat it through. Who am I talking to? Kajan Cermak? Give me one more. Thomas, give me one more. Thomas, one more. Go. Who do I got got on the phone here? Cherry Glazer? Nice. That was going to be my go-to. You know there's an indie band named Cherry Glazer? Of course (laughs) In honor of the real Cherry Glazer. What what is this? uh, Morning Becomes Eclectic Ah, on KCRW? uh, Regional. This is his his Jeff Foxworthy character, but just NPR (laughs) references. (laughs) No, I think that's a great question. We've never... It's funny. We do this a lot. We do so many bits that I enjoy getting these fun, serious, nerdy life questions. Um, I don't know if it... We're both probably have moments where we feel awkward, but um, I feel like if I'm one-on-one with somebody, if I'm talking talking to somebody, uh, I'm always able to have a conversation with them. But I'm also interested in human beings and like all that stuff. But uh, that that makes me feel like, yeah, I can kind of have a conversation with that because that's what we're doing. It's just scene work. It's two people talking on stage. There's a, there's a philosophy in improv, kind of a golden rule, as it were. It's called yes and. When you're learning improv, there is, the, the first thing you learned is to, in a scene, when you're making up on the spot, is to agree with what the person has contributed to and then contribute to your, yourself to it. Mm-hmm. Um, that, to me, is a, is a really nice kind of life philosophy that can sure. help one get along with a, a bunch of different situations, even if the situation is an obstacle or a person is an obstacle. It's it's much more optimistic and positive than my typical resting outset <laughs> life, really? life view is. But it's a it's a cool little I don't know, it's a it is a cool little mantra to have tickling around in the back of your brain of just, yeah, let's try to go along with it more. Mm. Are are you guys uh gonna do more of these specials on Netflix? This is where you come in, Luke Burbank and Elena. (laughs) We need more people to watch them if we're going to get more. Right now, it's it's funny. It's because uh, it's almost like how we started as an improv group. The way that people learned about us at the beginning before we were on TV is uh, word of mouth and people doing it. And then we got more shows. So the same with this. We don't really get more shows until uh, if if enough people watch, if it's popular. Oh, my God. Stand-up has 
a, a long history of specials and avenues from when you start out at your club, you work way up, you start doing, you're doing, you're doing this stuff. We have found that we've had to forge our way Ever, ever since we went past performing for 100 people at a, at a place that was also a school, we've had to try and figure out uh, how are we going to keep elevating it. And, how, and we've had to prove to everyone that we sh should and could. Yeah. <laughs> and this also includes getting more of these. Uh, to be honest, the more people watch it, the more Netflix will look at those precious numbers and go, we want more. So uh, I'm, I'm going to tell you, it was it is the best thing. Thing, the best culture I have imbibed in months. And oh. <laughs> I had no expectations at all coming into it. I'm, I'm, I don't know anything about long form improv. And it was a delight. It made my brain work. It made me think about storytelling. My partner oh, was great. laughing so hard. He like was grabbing my arm, like save me from laughing. <laughs> I mean, everyone should watch the show. It was just wonderful. Oh, wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, Ben Schwartz and Thomas Middleditch, um, congrats on the show. It's really amazing. And thanks for taking the time to uh, talk to us today. Thank you. This was a blast. Thank you so much for having us. Livewire gets support from Alaska Airlines, working nonstop to support their guests, employees, and communities. And they're offering no change or cancel fees for flights booked through June and taken by February 2021. Reward benefits are also extended, so companion fares and elite status will be there when it's time to fly again. Learn how else they're supporting flyers at alaskaair.com. This is the Livewire House Party. I'm Luke Burbank here with Elena Passarello. Uh, as we do each week, we asked our listeners a question. We asked, tell us about a summer tradition of yours. We're trying to, like, just will summer into being here if possible. <laughs> we just talk about it enough it'll actually happen elena what uh what were the responses from the listeners oh these are great um and they really got me in the mood for summer uh here's one from lynn lynn says for the past four to five years i've started summer by getting a short buzz cut that then gets sunburned after a few timbers or thorns games <laughs> <laughs> that's some serious portland sports pride there yeah. i shaved my head like maybe uh, uh, about a summer ago, my wife went out of town oh, and I had been contemplating this for a long time. And I literally dropped her off at the airport and I went directly to this weird haircut place in my town. That's it's like a sports based haircut place. So the people cutting your hair wear referee shirts. And Do you get to sit in a race car while they cut your hair? <laughs> Like a, like a race I asked bed? them. They said that was only for children. Um, the floor of the place is like a basketball court. It's and and you sit in bleachers while you're waiting for them to call your name <laughs> to get your haircut. Anyway, I had them shave it all down, and uh, because I wanted that feeling in the summertime of just like you know not having a bunch of hair to deal with, and I don't have as much hair on top of my head as I used to, so I thought maybe this was gonna be my new look. Mm, and Bruce I, Willis uh, kind of a thing. I texted my wife and I said I did something, and she said you shaved your head. She knew before I even sent her. Yeah, she had sensed a disturbance in the in the force, the follicular force. Yeah, what, exactly. what is it with men wanting to cut all their hair off when their women go away? David's done that twice in our <laughs> seventeen year relationship. And so sometimes when I'm like when he's dropping me off at the airport, I'm like, don't shave your head. <laughs> This is now a talk that you yeah. have to have with your partner. Uh, what else are the listeners saying is their summer tradition? Here's one from a team, Mark and Brenda. Our summer tradition is making and eating breakfast outside over a fire 
bacon and pancakes cooked in my dad's 20-inch diameter pan. <gasps> wow. <laughs> I remember being a kid and going backpacking with my dad and him catching some rainbow trout Whoa. and then cooking trout over the fire for breakfast. And my seven-year-old brain just like exploding, <laughs> like you can eat that for breakfast. Like I could, couldn't believe we were making breakfast on a fire. I couldn't believe yeah. it was fish-based. It was like my whole world opened up. You know, uh, this is a true confession. I have never been camping and I have <gasps> never had like a campfire breakfast, even in my own backyard. Uh, Elena. I know. They're not going to let you old. back into the city limits of Portland <laughs> I know. now that that information is out. <laughs> yeah, Corvallis is basically a camping trip. It's for people who want to be on a camping trip, so I'm sure they'll get kicked out of this town too. <laughs> what else are the listeners saying? Here's one from Aaron, eating greasy corn dogs at the Oregon State Fair. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the Minnesota State Fair, you know, we're on in Minnesota. That state fair has been canceled this summer, and I'm sure that's probably pretty typical. Yeah. I mean, I wonder what the overall health impact is going to be on America from not eating <laughs> as many elephant ears. Right. Or those potato spirals. Have you ever had those? Yes, oh, I God, have. So good. Now I want one. I, I feel like fair, like we we all like, if you live in a state with a, with a kind of robust state fair, you wait all year to go and just eat an amount of food that you would just probably not let yourself under normal times. Yeah. Like that's the whole, the whole thing with the fair is you get to go eat a lot of greasy food. Yeah. Right? Although I love all the 4-H too, you know, like all the kids that are showing their prize chickens. In Corvallis, there's a bunny costume contest and a llama costume contest put on oh by 4-H. It's totally can't miss. <laughs> then there's also the weird sections that's just selling hot tubs. Like who yeah. buys a hot tub at the state fair? I don't like know. we're going down to see the um, you know, various seed art <laughs> and watch a cow give live birth. Yes. And let's pick up a jacuzzi. <laughs> and of course there's the um the musical acts, which are either amazing uh, cover bands or mm -hmm. like a seventies rock outfit that you haven't thought of. Last year we had here in Corvallis Taylor Dane. Oh man, tell it to team. my heart. Yes. Oh, it was so good. Uh, yeah. I crimped my hair for <laughs> the occasion. <laughs> All right, Elena, as I was mentioning at the top of the show, uh, we did that virtual barbecue this week with some Livewire listeners. And we were actually lucky enough to have Alejandro Rose Garcia stop by. He's a, an Austin musician. He plays under the name Shaky Graves. Mm -hmm. And the music was so great. And actually just chatting with him was so fun. I thought we could actually play some of that as part of the show this week. Um, so let's do that. Let's travel back in time a couple of days and go about 50 feet from where I'm sitting right now uh, <laughs> out to my actual barbecue where I was standing when we chatted with Shaky Graves. Alejandro, my hey! friend, how are you? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> nice to see you, dude. Yeah, nice to see you too. How's Austin? It's uh, it's right on the edge of of. You were talking about like summer traditions, and mine is sweating with like an unimaginable uh, <laughs> volume and passion. <laughs> it's it hasn't been there yet. It, it, I've been like, oh yeah, this is great. Wow, summer, yeah. And then like, <laughs> my AC broke about a week ago upstairs. Oh no! And that'll snap you into exactly how <laughs> how warm it is in a place, but it's it's creeping. It's it's coming soon. I have to say something that's I don't mean to put you on the spot or embarrass you, Alejandro. This is meant as a high compliment. Go on. 
you, I've seen you play live a bunch of times, and you really sweat when you play live because you're working hard, you're playing a lot of instruments. Live. But you're also very hunky, so like it works. <laughs> like when I sweat during Livewire, they're just like, somebody hose this guy down. When you do it, it's like a look. It's yes. a whole thing. I, I'm, I'm lucky that I, I, that actually had a lot to do with me choosing to be a musician because I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sweat like this either way. So luckily it, it kind of looks like uh, it does a little bit of the work for me, you know. You have this cool new documentary series on YouTube, uh, Hello Gorgeous. Yeah. I, it's great. I, I was really enjoying it this week. And on there, you were saying you started playing guitar because a girl broke up with you? I, uh, y- yeah, that's the that's the quick way around it. But yeah, <laughs> that's the truth also. <laughs> it, it started initially as sort of a vengeance tactic, I think, when I was like 13 or so. And I, I, I it was my first girlfriend in... Uh, uh, she was an older woman. She was an eighth grader, and I was a seventh grader. Oh yeah, that's yeah. trouble. Real love too. You know that that was gonna. It was really gonna last. And then I don't know what <laughs> happened. And she went to Mexico for the summer with her family. And I got word through the gossip grapevine of middle school that she had cheated on me, which I still don't even know what <laughs> what what that entails. You know, for, illicit handholding. That's yeah. right. That yeah, she went and saw a movie with someone, and and it was over. And uh, yeah. And she loved guitar players, and I came, in my mind, I was like, I know, I'll turn into a giant, muscle-ridden guitar player. <laughs> and so that became some bizarre new door that opened when I was really just, like, freaked out. <laughs> it was like, who am I? What is my body? Who's my girlfriend? Whoa! You know, it's crucial. Um, well, you, you started playing music and also creating all of this stuff sort of sonically that then I guess you had a hard time recreating in the live setting for a while until you kind of got your whole system dialed in with like your, you have this suitcase that's got a kick drum built into it and stuff, but it took you a while to figure out how to actually do your stuff live. Um, Initially I had started when I first like went to New York City and was like, New York City, you know, did the whole like young journey Pace out. Picante yeah, you're commercial. a salsa ad. <laughs> when I started my first Pace Picante ad, I was like, wow. Uh, but I, 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 I was taking note, you know, I was going out and like playing at open mics and stuff in the city or whatever. And, and I was always trying to take note of, of ways that people, like subway performers and stuff. I, I ended up seeing a guy... Um, you know, sitting on a, a like a briefcase that was upright, and he was playing it with a kick pedal, and and so I, I like found some little diagrams I had made, and was like, you know, the recipe was basically if I could drag it around because I didn't have a car, and mm-hmm. if it if if I could make enough noise to make a bar full of uh, loud people uh, shut up, and then eventually, yeah, it became a the suitcase was developed by a, a buddy of mine. And uh, you you sit on it or stand in front of it, and it's two kick pedals facing backwards, and there's a floor tom inside of the suitcase, and then there's a little wow. tambourine, and then you play it with your your both your heels, like like that. <laughs> you know, it's like it, it, it's a gimmick in the in the classic sense of the word, where it's like a calling card, and people it definitely when I would first play shows. It would be set. People would watch me set it up and be like, "Where is he going with this? <laughs> what is going on?" And then it like it actually has a good. You know, I, I, this is the third one that I've made. I, I just auctioned the second one off actually for um, to raise money for the Central Texas Food Bank. And so oh, that's I, great. I like th- I got to see all these upgrades we had tried to do with it, where we were trying to put like boat silicone inside of it like kayak materials and stuff it's all glued together you know it's like 
So it, it's interesting that it's a, uh, you know, that those moments in time where you're like, what is my life right now? <laughs> like, am I, like every time I'm at an airport or we used to be at this thing called an airport. And uh, <laughs> what are those? Yeah, exactly. And your my baggage would come out and make this horrible noise, you know, and everyone would turn and be like, is that a drum slash suitcase? I'm like, it's a suitcase slash drum. <laughs> <You know? laughs> this is the Livewire House Party coming to you from PRX. I'm Luke Burbank, now back inside my house. Elena Passarello is at her house in Corvallis. Uh, and we're playing an interview we taped earlier this week with the musician Shaky Graves. We got to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere because when we come back, we will actually hear a song from Shaky and you are not going to want to miss it. So stay with us. This is Livewire. Special thanks this episode to Christian Fulgham of Shoreline, Washington, and Christopher Hardman of Portland, Oregon. Christian and Christopher are part of the Livewire member community and generously support our show with a donation each month. We are extremely thankful for their support because it's genuinely what allows us to keep this whole thing going. So a big thanks to Christian and Christopher. Welcome back to the Livewire House Party. This is the twelfth one of these we've done, <gasps> Elena. Mad on. I know. It's like now I'm measuring time with how long ago were you and I allowed to be legally in the same uh, theater in Portland doing the show with people? Well, we know it's been a minimum of twelve, 12 episodes. episodes of the House Party. <laughs> we've been doing the show from home. By the way, my name is Luke Burbank. I'm at my house in. Bellingham, Washington. Elena Passarello is at her place in Corvallis. Uh, We are in the middle of playing a chat that we recorded earlier this week during a Zoom barbecue. (laughs) We were talking to Alejandro Rose Garcia. He's the musician also known as Shaky Graves. So let's head back out to my backyard and pick things up there. Do you feel, Alejandro, like, you know, between the pandemic and what's going on in our country right now in terms of the fight for racial justice? Oh, God, Like, yeah. you're a performer. You go, I mean, one of your documentary uh, pieces on YouTube was about getting a tour bus and how that was, like, a major life changer for you and your band. Do you feel, again, now I assume touring is off the table for a while, do you feel like you're at another moment where you're trying to kind of figure out who you are? Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I don't think I've ever stopped feeling like I'm trying to figure out who I am. Um, and I've sort of constantly tried to remind myself to sort of lean into that (laughs) like at what point should I have felt like I have had had gotten there thus far Mm -hmm. you know like each each thing was just kind of a foot going in front of the other and I I mean like right now I feel like it's important the only thing I have the most energy for is trying to imagine what could come next in in a constructive way maybe not even positive because everything's so crazy Mm -hmm. but I'm sort of trying to allow myself to solve you know, the functional problems in the world around me and in my own life in maybe just a way I haven't considered yet. Yeah. I think that the big thing, we've been talking about it on on Livewire the last few weeks, is just that a lot of us had tricked ourselves into thinking that we had some control over our life Mm. and that we could just sort of like muscle it into being what we wanted it to be. And the the last few months and in particular the last couple of weeks have really shown uh, how inaccurate that is and Mm. then how quickly we can get to the point of being okay with not having control is that seems to be the, as my therapist would say, that'd be my growing edge. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. That's a classic. The old, the old control, um, part, the the control that I now have is like, even just looking at my house, cause this is the new battlefield or whatever I'm on. This is like, 
this is my new set of rules. And I'm like, how did I do any of this before I was in here all the time? Like, there's so much stuff to do in my house. And I'm like, I guess I was just ignoring all of that. <laughs> there's so yeah. much stuff everywhere. I don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, what song are you going to play for us, Alejandro? I thought um, somewhat fitting uh, a, a song that was off a record I put out a couple years ago. Uh, this is a song called Dining Alone that um, these days I feel like everything applies to the, the current situation. I'm like, oh, yeah, this song is, a, wow, Dining Alone. Yeah, I guess I am a lot. Um, but, yeah, it's a song about um, being trapped in your own mind slash house. All right, take it away. This is Shaky Graves here on Livewire. Shoes on the same old feet, same color tie every day of the week. Shampoo, conditioner, rinse and repeat. Drip, dry, do it again. I tell my woes to the knife and the spoon. Dining alone at a table for two. Well, one glass of wine. There's plenty of time to dream about all of the things that I'll never do. Mm-hmm. Well, I wonder what it's like to fly a plane or to meet a girl on Friday night and up next to her on Saturday Yeah, to swim across the ocean blue To walk a mile upon the moon To wear the crown and sit upon the throne But it's getting late, this restaurant is closing I guess I better go mm-hmm. Well, I wander through the city Whistle a tune Walk into a bar And ruin the mood A dirty martini With an olive or two Yeah, shake, pour And do it again Well, a couple more drinks Now they're kicking me out Well, I always get in trouble When I open my mouth I stumble on home Fall into bed Drift off into my head I wonder what it's like To fly a plane Or to meet a girl on Friday night And wake up next to her on Saturday Mm, To swim across the ocean blue To walk a mile upon the moon the crown and sit upon the throne but it's getting late the sun is coming up off to work i go same old shoes on the same old feet 
One track mind, one way street Oh, nothing's gonna change for the same old me Just eat, sleep, do it again Alejandro, but they're clapping like crazy all oh. across Zoom, all that, across the country, and maybe the world. We just have them all muted because we don't trust them. <laughs> that's so comforting <laughs> and scary all at the same time. <laughs> all right, man. Great to see you. Great, Thanks again. Stay great safe to see out you there too. in Texas. Yeah, you guys have fun. Don't burn your food. That was Shaky Graves right here on the Livewire House Party. You can check out Alejandro's music at Shaky Graves. Dot com And you should check out this documentary, Hello Gorgeous, that he has up on YouTube as well. Well, that is going to do it for another episode of the Livewire House Party. A huge thanks to our guests this week, Thomas Middleditch and Ben Schwartz, and of course, Shaky Graves. Livewire is brought to you in part by Foley, Alaska Airlines, and the Jupiter Hotel. Laura Haddon is our executive producer. Tim Harkins is our production director. Our producer and editor is Melanie Sevchenko, and Ariana Donoville is our marketing associate. Caitlin Kunkel is our writer, and Molly Pettit, our technical director, is our house party mixer. As always, a big thanks to Carlson Audio. Additional funding provided by the Oregon Arts Commission, a state agency funded by the state of Oregon and the National Endowment for the Arts. Livewire was created by Robin Tenenbaum and Kate Sokoloff. Our show is made possible by the generous support of our members. This week, we'd like to thank members Carolee and Christopher Brickner of Portland and Jed Foster of Auburn, Washington. For more information about our show, how you can listen to our podcast or sign up for our newsletter, head on over to Livewire Radio. I'm Luke Burbank. For Elena Passarello and the whole Livewire crew, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Livewire. When we first met, I was really shy. I had no idea we'd spend so much time together or that you'd be one to fill my heart with with joy and make me want to be a better person. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know you were here. I was busy reading a review from one of our many, many rapturously smitten listeners. Oh, wait. Actually, no. Sorry. This is from Elena. Anyway, the point is, uh, it would be really helpful if you wanted to leave us a review Feel free to say really nice things about us, and uh, we'll even read them now and then on the show. So you might hear your review of Livewire read on the program itself. Uh, Reviews help other people hear about the show, and then we can keep doing this for a long, long time because we love having this job. Uh, Thank you so much if you've left a review, and if you're about to leave a review, you can go ahead and do it right where you get the podcast.
WPRX.